a lot of the people have those reservations, but then once they move here, they are able to, if they want to go to uh, Florida for a month, they just let us know and shut the door when they walk out. So, uh, so I think it, it frees up people more than they they realize. Man, that the house was really uh, it's really hold me down. Greetings and welcome to Buzz for Good, where we talk all things nonprofit, the people they serve, and the good they do. And on today's show, I am thrilled to introduce a new sponsor to Buzz, whose mission is one that impacts or will impact all of us, retirement and growing old. Since 1966, Friendship has provided a friendly, safe, and comfortable place for residents of the Roanoke Valley to live healthier and fuller lives. From the recovery expertise of Friendship Health to the thriving community of Friendship Living, Friendship offers Roanoke Valley residents the resources and support they need to enjoy the lives they deserve. Most recently, Friendship bought Richfield Living Retirement Community in Salem. And so on today's show, I talked to Friendship President and CEO Joe Hoff about Friendship's history and mission in the Roanoke Valley and its recent acquisition of Richfield. We will also chat about how the senior living experience has evolved through the decades and what the future holds for this growing industry that we all hope to enjoy one day. But before that, I am Michael Hemphill, creator and host of this radio show, as well as the TV show Buzz that airs on Blue Ridge PBS. Each episode, we feature a nonprofit organization and the great work that it does in the community. And we provide the nonprofit with a team of marketing professionals affiliated with the American Advertising Federation of Roanoke, who donate their time and talent to help the nonprofit attract more people to its cause, or in other words, to achieve more buzz. And our newest episode, our 35th episode, and our season three finale airs August 30th on Blue Ridge PBS. It stars Altamons, which is best known for its four weeks of summer camp, where kids can disconnect from their technological lives and engage with nature's beauty. But what about the other 48 weeks of the year? The 850-acre property in eastern Montgomery County, Virginia, which is more people knew about its year-round offerings. RV and tent camping, dining and lodging facilities, swimming, fishing, hiking, ropes courses, and so much more. It really is an ideal setting for church and corporate retreats, family reunions, weddings, even a music video. So on our show, Buzz seeks to turn this, quote, best-kept secret into a must-see destination. With the help of another nonprofit that we have featured on Buzz, Friends of the Blue Ridge, as well as our good friends from WordSprint, a print marketing firm based in Blacksburg, and the tourism marketing expertise of Roanoke marketing agency, Eddie Alexander. We will be hosting a sneak peek watch party for this episode uh, this coming Wednesday, August 23rd at 6 p.m. at First United Methodist Church in Salem, Virginia. It is free and open to all. You can find out more and register for this event on our website, buzzforgood.com. That's buzz, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com. You can also follow along on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all at buzzforgood. We are going to provide a sneak listen to that episode towards the end of today's show. 
And also on today's show, in honor of the start of Hokie football in two weeks, I'm going to replay my recent conversation with Virginia Tech head coach Brent Pry, along with two of his players. I had the chance to speak to them for one of our upcoming Buzz episodes that features the Hokie Way, an organization that provides opportunities for Virginia Tech student-athletes to use their name, image, and likeness to help nonprofits in Southwest Virginia. And according to Coach Pry, NIL, name, image, likeness, is among the most important parts of his job today, so you will not want to miss this. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, the Roanoke Cultural Endowment, which is working to provide a long-term funding solution for Roanoke's arts and cultural organizations, roanokeculturalendowment.org, Partners in Financial Planning, a Southwest Virginia-based financial management firm, partnersinfinancialplanning.com, and, as I mentioned at the start of our show, our newest sponsor, Friendship. And here is my conversation with President and CEO, Joe Hoff. You know, it's a, it's a, a great job. I've been here for, uh, for, for around six years now and uh, worked uh, most of my career in uh, nonprofits. So, uh, so we're a 501c3 nonprofit and uh, I, I love, the, love working here. Well, give me real quick some of the, the, kind of the history of Friendship. Friendship started in 1966. So uh, at that time, it had a, an affiliation with the Church of the Brethren. And uh, they basically for the, started this um, campus for their, for their lay people in their church. And, uh, you know, it really took off and it was uh, well received in the, in the community. And so 1966 started uh, with uh, one building and quickly over the next uh, five years there, they uh, expanded to, uh, to to have everything from independent living and a nursing facility and assisted living. So uh, pretty, pretty quick uh, adoption for, for, uh, for the community. And this was as early as the mid 60s? Yeah, 1966 is when they uh, broke ground and uh, and did this. So obviously, the, there was some planning that went on behind the behind the scenes before they broke ground. But uh, 1966, when they officially opened. Mm, okay. Now, you know, obviously, there are nonprofit models of senior living and for-profit models of senior living. What for those who are new new to this area? You know, explain the difference and why is friendship better suited as a nonprofit? Well, uh, the, the reason I like the, uh, you know, 501c, 501c3 not-for-profit uh, status is that uh, the money that, uh, you know, we we earn here and uh, that uh, friendship has any, any, any monies that we, you know, actually were able to have in excess go back to, to the facilities that we have and to our residents take care of our residents and take care of our employees so there's no uh there's not a, a stockholders or any individual owners that we're trying to uh, make a certain return on so we can uh, we can focus our mission you know we're really a community uh, uh asset so uh, and we we treat that uh treat it that way what does that mean to you when you say we're we are a community asset that we're we're here for the community. We get, uh, uh, you know, we 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 treat, you know, we have residents that um, 
we bring in. Some of them are unable to, to, uh, to you know, after a while, unable to have a payer source to, to continue with their care. But we we have a, a charity care system set up to to help residents with that. And uh, you know, just being a a good community partner that we you know take some of the you know just not all private pay that you know some for-profits would uh, would do so we're able to uh, to expand our mission and take care of those residents that uh, may, may not have the ability to, to to pay so again joe hoff president and ceo of friendship joining me here on buzz for good and joe you know what makes friendship unique different among other i guess competitors in the Roanoke Valley. Yeah, um, th- thanks for that, Michael. I think one of the the things for us and uh, and Richfield is uh, is that we we don't have an entrance fee uh, for independent living when you come in. So so that's uh, one thing that makes us different. It's it's a, uh, more accessible for for more residents to to be able to utilize our services. So so that definitely differentiates us for from some of the others. And, um, you know, you can with our retirement community, you can uh, you can access our care anywhere on that full continuum. You don't have to enter through independent living. So so that is a a major, uh, major benefit that I feel for for us and for Richfield. Talk about the growth that Friendship has experienced over the years. You mentioned you started in the 1950s by Church of the Brethren. Uh, and then by the '60s, you know, you were, you know, having facilities for independent living, you know, skilled care, nursing care, end of life. Uh, how has that grown through the years to where we are today, prior to yeah. the acquisition of uh, Richfield? Yeah, you know, we've uh, we we've, we've done a we've had a really good strategic leadership uh, plan here in place, and we 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 visit that on a on a pretty regular basis but uh as far as friendship yes since 1960s you know it's uh we we basically you know have the full continuum here and uh we have 309 independent living apartments and those those residents there spread over nine buildings and those residents are truly independent they they come and go as they please and and um you know do the um um, shopping activities, whatever they, they desire to do. So we have that. We, uh, we've added another piece to that, uh, probably about six years ago, we do a, an adult day medical care center and, uh, we have that. And that's a really good option where somebody, if they're, you know, they're having, uh, you know, uh, having to work, maybe they're in that sandwich generation where they got, uh, uh, parents that they have to take care of. And, uh, you know, have kids at home still, but they, they don't want to put their loved one to an institutional type setting yet. So they'll, they can come here, drop them off at seven 30 in the morning and, uh, you know, come back and, and get them at five after work or whatever they've got to do. So we, we've, we've got that. And that's uh, a recent, recent addition that we had. And how, and how, that, how many uh, seniors are you caring for with that kind of adult? Yeah, we have about 40 residents signed up for, for that, uh, and we have and on any given day because they don't come every day. So not all of them don't come every day. Some of them do, but uh, we'll take care of around twenty-five to thirty on a daily basis with uh, with that. And they uh, 
they go back to their to their homes at night. So uh, so that's a great. Uh, uh, we we feel like it's pretty good. Um, entrance into to friendship and you know you can be here as long as you want and, uh, and and go back home okay and so what in addition to those two types of services yeah you know we used to be the um, um the largest nursing center in the state of virginia we used to have 373 beds here and uh, we took 120 of those beds and moved it across county onto uh, Starkey Road. And uh, so we built a brand new nursing facility over there with 120 private rooms and we're able to service uh, those residents. So that's part of the expansion that uh, that we've done. And, and it's been well received by the community there pretty much, uh, you know, stays full and does a lot of a lot of inpatient rehab, and that's a short term for residents going in and and getting rehab and coming back out. So, uh, with that, uh, you know we have um, home care. Home care is another opportunity to be exposed to, to friendship. We have uh, probably a hundred residents that we take care of, and uh, with that, and fifty percent of those are seen on our campus, and but fifty percent are seen in the Roanoke Valley at their homes, and uh, we we know that. Uh, just like me and you, we we want uh, to stay at our home as long as possible, and uh, the home care allows us to uh, to help people stay in their homes. Wow! So you have, I guess, some skilled medical uh, professionals who are going from friendship out into the community to individuals' homes and providing some services that they might need there. Yes, they'll have uh, one of the things we can go out. We can do housekeeping for them. We'll do. Uh, activities of daily living, help them with that. Uh, we'll do some medication management and uh, and more if if needed. So uh, so all those services and attempt to uh, to keep that resident as uh, independent as possible and and in their home setting, which uh, which we understand that's where everybody wants to wants to stay. Right. Huh. I had no idea that you know not only are you helping people who come to your facilities, but you're also um, kind of being missionaries, if you will, you know, taking all the expertise that you have in your facilities out into the community. That is amazing. Yes. Yeah. We, we feel it's a good, uh, you know, introduction to, 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 to people out in the community. And then when they, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to stay there for, for the whole time, but if they need, uh, other cares, if they've got an acute episode that they need to, to come to maybe one of our skill facilities or, uh, assisted Living, they 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 already know the friendship name and uh and, and are trusting us to with their care. Yeah, you've already established some friendship with them. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then I right, take us from there. What other services and facilities do you offer? Yeah, so we uh, have uh, two assisted livings, and that's um, sort of the intermediate in between uh, independent living and 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 the skill buildings, uh, the nursing facilities. So we have. One here that's uh, called our Friendship Assisted Living that's on the Hershberger campus, and uh, we take care of uh, around 80 to 85 residents there on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, they are a little bit uh, more independent than the uh, people in the skill buildings, but they still need a, a little bit of help there with, with the medication management and, and having a little bit of oversight there with uh, their care. So we do that. And then we also have Friendship Salem Terrace that's in Salem. And we um, have also the assisted living there, but we also have a 20-bed memory care unit there that's uh, 
that, you know, for uh, residents that have uh, dementia or uh, advanced Alzheimer's that uh, need to be in a lockdown unit. So, uh, so that provides a big service for the, for the community. Wow. All right. And then finally, you mentioned the nursing care facilities. Yes. So then, you know, we just, uh, talk to you about, you know, the 120 bed brand new, uh, you know, seven year facility, seven years old, but, uh, we went back into our, uh, facility that, uh, that 253 beds now, probably about three years ago, spent close to to $8 million renovating one unit to call our transitional care unit. And that transitional care unit is, uh, for short term, uh, rehab, you know, anybody that's got a acute episode and then most all those people are coming directly from the hospital with, uh, with an ailment there that, uh, diagnosis that's, uh, qualified them for, for a stay there. And, uh, so all those, uh, brand new, uh, private rooms and has a bistro bistro 66 there that's, uh, pays homage to our, the, the year we opened and, okay. uh, also, the uh, an emporium and a, a storefront. So, so we uh, we we do all that, and then we also on there we have a a, a memory care unit in that building also that uh, takes care of the residents with some memory care and uh, uh, more of the end of life too. Right. Wow. Uh, is there a minimum age that you you know require a resident to be in order to start receiving services? Uh, in our independent living, we just, do yeah, independent living. Okay, What's yeah, that? independent living. You know, we're we're uh, you know, we're shooting for fifty-five to sixty-five age okay. there, and then in the um, you know, if in the skilled facilities, sometimes people you know are, are younger than that. So we uh, you know, it just depends on a, each situation. We don't have a, a guaranteed age that you have to be. So okay. Well, before we start talking about Richfield, let me take a moment to reintroduce you. Uh, here on Bus for Good, talking to Joe Hoff, the president and CEO of Friendship, who uh, has just regaled us with all of the different services that Friendship offers you know, to people, not only within their facilities, but out in the community as well. It's really extraordinary. And you can find out more about Friendship at friendship.us. Um, Joe, real quick before we move to Friendship, how, so how many residents, how many people do you actually serve each year? We have uh, currently at Friendship now, we have around a thousand residents across all, all those uh, levels of care that we have. Okay. And then plus. Yeah. Uh, also around 750 employees. Okay. And then plus uh, some more people in the community that you're providing at home care. Yes. Wow. Amazing. All right. So. Let's transition. The, the most recent news item or news headline featuring friendship involved the acquisition of another major senior living facility in the Roanoke Valley, and that was the Ridgefield Retirement Community. Um, tell us what led to that taking place. You know, uh, friendship and Ridgefield have a, a long-standing relationship. I think we've, uh, you know, we've uh, worked together just at, you know, certain times over the period of both of these uh, um, times, you know, as far as being in operation. But for us, uh, you know, we became serious about the uh, acquisition a little bit after uh, January of this year and had been been working on it because we, uh, 
if you look at two two uh, organizations in the Roanoke Valley that do pretty much the same thing, it's uh, Richfield and uh, and Friendship are, are are closely closely aligned. We're both uh, you know five hundred one c three not for profits, so we got that mission that's in common. We um, we take care of uh, residents throughout the full continuum. So, we, you know, we were closely aligned uh, on that. So uh, it just made sense for us to to explore uh, the option of being able to um, to acquire them and, and then actually uh, bring them together as part of uh, our uh, our team. So. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what did that do in terms of a uh, number of residents that you now serve and employees and just your overall capacity? Yeah, so uh, when we bring uh, when we have them both of these campuses fully integrated together, we'll probably have around fifteen hundred residents that will serve across the Roanoke Valley, and then also around a uh, thousand uh, team members. Wow! And when is that supposed to take place? Will be finalized by? Yeah, uh, October first is uh, there's a date that we have that's uh, set right now to. Uh, to make that purchase uh, final, so uh, we'll we'll look for that date, and obviously, uh, with things could could arise, maybe but not not be able to get it done in, at that time. But uh, if if not, then we'll uh, drop back to November first. But we're looking at an October first deadline. Okay, and uh, what will happen to the you know Richfield name? Yeah, well, that was one of the things when we uh, we announced this is that I went and met with. Um, the residents and the employees at Richfield. And uh, the, the main thing was that, uh, you know, they've got a close to a hundred years of uh, service to the community and uh, the name of uh, Richfield. So uh, started out as the mercy house and was owned by the County. Three, three nurses uh, actually uh, started that and for indigent care. And I think it was, they charged $5 a week for, for care. And uh so with that, we wanted to maintain that name, the Richfield name, the Richfield heritage. People, people know Richfield, and uh, so so we're keeping the name the same and uh, and and that keeping that heritage. Okay, so uh, I assume uh, friendship will be somewhere incorporated into the new branding. Yeah, you know, if we we have it, it's um, for us maybe. Uh, somewhere in there that'll be Richfield living a uh, friendship uh, property or something like that. But, okay. uh, you okay. know, it's really, uh, you know, keeping that Richfield living name. Okay. Well, I'm sure that'll do a lot of residents there. Uh, give them some comfort during that period of transition. But what other changes do you anticipate, you know, someone who lives at Richfield or receives services from Richfield seeing with the friendship, uh, you know, taking over? I think, you know, Richfield has done a, a great job of taking care of residents for for all these years. And, uh, you know, only thing that we'll try to do is uh, come in and uh, if, we're, if we're able to enhance and uh, streamline some of the some of the uh, things that, that we do, uh, bring bring our uh, dining services and, and, and those combined uh, dining services and nursing care and our, our other uh, amenities that we offer like a uh, adult day, you know, try to enhance what the, the residents offerings are to them. But, uh, you know, they've done a great job, uh, taking care of these residents and, uh, we're, we're going to be able to come in and just, uh, maintain that and enhance it where we can. Lovely. Lovely. 
Uh, once again, joined here on Buzz for Good by Joe Hoff, president and CEO of Friendship, uh, the newest sponsor to Buzz for Good. And we thank you for your support. Uh, in talking here uh, in this introductory uh, interview with Friendship, uh, all about the many facilities and programs and residents served by Friendship throughout the Roanoke Valley. Uh, you know, I would imagine that like back when senior living communities were founded, they were more concerned with kind of taking away some of the um, everyday hassles of living for you know, seniors as they got older, you know, taking care of their food, um, taking care of housekeeping, you know, no more y yard maintenance to do. Uh, it was more like, you know, trying to just, uh, if, if they needed healthcare, you know, you were there for them. Um, but it seems like these days from, you know, what I've read, uh, it's senior living communities are trying to fulfill more than just kind of daily tasks of seniors, but really trying to provide them with opportunities to still have meaning and find meaning in their lives. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think you've uh, you've hit on all the uh, uh, things that we we try to to uh, to let our um, potential residents know is that uh, you know you've you've worked hard all your life, so uh, come here and be able to uh, have worry free living, and I think that's going to be our uh, mantra at uh, Richfield Living and uh, and at Friendship as it currently is. So uh, so you've hit on that, and um, you know for us having that worry-free living is that you get to, you wake up in the morning and you don't have to worry about the yard work. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, painting the exterior or, or any of that. We, we take care of that. But, you know, one of the, the keys to, to coming here is that, uh, you know, that, uh, that healthcare aspect. And uh, I think you hit on it, you know, no, but no one wants to think about that when they're an independent living, but, when you're an independent living and all of a sudden uh, something, something happens to you, you have an acute episode, maybe, maybe you're going to have a total hip done or you've had, a, a, you know, just a, another diagnosis and you end up in the hospital. Well, for everyone else, you know, they're going to get a list of uh, nursing facilities and rehab facilities uh, slid over to them and said, here, you know, we need you to, be out of the hospital in a day or two and we need you to pick one of these and if you haven't really thought about it and and your your loved one uh lives in town or out of town and they're or your uh your children you know they they haven't had to think about that and now they're they're this they're thrust up you know this uh, decision to try to make in a in a day and uh for us for our residents you know, it's, it's peace of mind for them. They don't, they don't have to, to worry about that. Whenever they go to the hospital and they have something, they know that that care is ready for them. So they've already got that plan. The people that most of the people that move into our, uh, uh, our facilities, they're planners. They've, they've planned, they've thought about it. They're like, okay, I want to come to a uh, place where I can, uh, come in and, uh, relax and independent living, do the activities and do the wellness, uh, aerobics classes, water aerobics, do all these things and, and have uh breakfast, you know, with, uh, with friends that I've made on my, uh, you know, campus here. But then when the time comes where you need that care, you don't have to worry about you. you you've already planned. So you, you know, what, uh, where you, where you're going to go. And I think when I talk to, um, 
to, to potential uh, people that move in here or uh, the family members, it's, it's more of a gift to that family more than anything, because the son or the daughter is not having to uh, wake up at two o'clock in the morning to a call that, you know, we've, you know, mom or dad's gone out to the, to the hospital and now they're going to have to try to scramble for that care. So I think that's the, one of the biggest uh, benefits for moving into a, a, a campus like ours. Yeah, no, all, all very well said that, you know, uh, your campus is providing for the needs of residents, you know, for that's you know, food, housing, you know, healthcare, and and so forth, and you know, programming. I've also got to believe, though, and here I am. I guess maybe I'm thinking, I'm almost to that age where I could move into your facility, your independent living facility. That I still feel as though I have got a lot to contribute, and maybe I, you know, I don't want to have to deal with the yard and and housework and worry about meals and healthcare, but I also still want to, you know, find meaning in my life. You know, uh, the programs are great, you know, being able to kind of entertain myself throughout the day and exercise, but I also want to feel like I can give back. So, you know, what opportunities, you know, have you seen your residents where they're able to continue finding purpose with their lives? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And, uh, you know, for us, and I'll just use an example of uh Two weeks ago, we, on a monthly basis, we have a, a group of residents that go to the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. So they go to the rescue mission. They help do, um, you know, what they can can do there, serving the serving uh, residents there. They go to uh, the LOA League of Older Americans. They uh, do that and pack uh, pack lunches that go out on Meals on Wheels. So. They're able to do that and uh, just not the external things like that also, because those are big. Those make you, uh, you know, you have that extra time and you you can, you can, you can give it, give back. So, uh, but with also within our community, we have, we have people that have so much experience and, you know, they've got uh, committees that we're, we're, we're working, you know, to, to get them on. If it's like a food committee, um, horticultural committees, activities committees, all these committees to help um, sort of set the uh, the policy for what we want to do uh, in independent living. So uh, so all those things, people are able to, to, to give back. And, you know, they've got years of experience doing doing things and in, in, in horticultural, for example. You know, they can uh, a lot of people that have have done that their whole life. So, uh, so they're able to, to, to give back even, you know, even if they're not actually out there doing the, the, the manual labor of it, they can, uh, they can, can do that, but also outside and inside, you know, our campus, just like you said. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> Is there any, you know, uh, you, you mentioned like the outside groups, you know, or organizations that your residents can, you know, have a regular presence at, you know, um, uh, rescue mission and so forth, and then the, kind of these internal programs. What's the coolest thing that you've heard one of your residents do, uh, just in that kind of self-actualization side of things? Oh wow! Uh, I'm gonna have to think about that for a second. Okay. So that's fine. Well, we can come back to it. I, you know, I, or in, or maybe you know, it's like something that like resident came to you and said boy, I, I really want to be able to do this. I want to brew my own beer. I want to, you know, uh, start a ceramics class, or I want to, you know, 
do something that that's just you know my own personal interest um i'm, I'm yeah. wondering if there's you know something like that that comes to mind yeah i think uh you know one of the most rewarding things that i've seen that our um our residents have done has been to uh for the uh children's hospital they paint the uh overhead tiles and you know they take such joy in that and you know because when the when the um the kids are in these hospitals and the you know they look up and see a tile i think that gives the some of our residents the you know, great joy in being able to, to be a painter, but actually know that this is going to be, you know, um, giving a smile to a, to a children. So I think I've heard that a lot from our, our residents. And then uh, we do have some kid, uh, some residents to do ceramics and, and different uh, pots and things like that or jewelry. And then they sell it in our uh, emporium, our own store to, to raise money for the, nice. uh, for different things. So Nice, nice. That that I think that ceiling tiles program is uh, sponsored or hosted by Carillion, the healing ceiling tiles. We've we've done some features on that through Buzz before. And so exactly, there are exactly. I think hundreds, if not thousands, of those ceiling tiles now throughout Carillion facilities. So, but, oh, yeah. so, so you're a partner of that? That's great. Yes. Uh, you know, just in thinking about kind of this continuum of care that friendship provides. You know, at some point, uh, that friendship or that continuum of care, you know, ends in a resident's passing. Um, what does what does that look like at friendship? Yeah, you know, that's uh, that that is part of the business that uh, we have, and I think we do a, a great job because uh, you know it's um, it's a hard. Somebody's been preparing themselves for it, uh, you know, for the or the family, and you know that's that's where we have to uh, do do special things during that during that last time to uh, to make it, uh, you know, the easiest on, on them to be able to to stay with their family member overnight and 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 do things that way, but uh, you know we we uh, we take that seriously, and uh, it's definitely part of uh, a part of what we have to do and our, our, our uh, employees are so uh, such a uh, such a big heart that uh, you know it it affects them also because they they really get to know these uh, the residents I mean they've they're taking care of them and interacting with them on a daily basis so it's uh it's something we look uh, look out for not only for the for the residents and their families but also for our employees. Is there a, a hospice presence at Friendship or do you, you know, align with Good Samaritan Hospice to, you know, provide those services when needed? Yeah, we have uh, several hospices uh, that uh, that actually come into our buildings and it's a, a patient uh, resident family choice. But uh, we do work with uh, Good Sam and they're they're doing a lot of great things right now, even with their uh, the hospice house that they're uh currently engaged with, uh, with building. So, uh, so we have that. And, uh, you know, when, if the, if the resident, uh, and the family member choose that, then we allow that hospice, uh, to, to come in and, and then they're just an added, uh, layer to, to help with, um, you know, uh, taking care of the residents and the, and the residents' families also. Well, uh, we're approaching the end here, Joe, but uh, once again, here on Buzz for Good, I'm joined by Joe Hoff, President and CEO of Friendship, uh, which is the newest sponsor of Buzz. 
as well as uh, having recently acquired Richfield living in uh, Salem area, now bringing to 1,500 residents and about 1,000 employees uh, at Friendship. Uh, we've kind of talked about uh, Friendship's growth throughout the years, all the different services that Friendship provides, you know, from uh, independent living and all the way to end of life. Um, I'm wondering, what does the what are the future things in the you know senior living world that you are preparing for that maybe people who aren't in that world or have, have even thought about yet? You know, I'd say that the the uh, biggest thing that uh, for us and, and for everywhere is technology. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we're continuing to uh, look at different ways that technology can, can, can help with, uh, with the resident care, the resident experience to uh, even at home, you know, what, what does that look like uh, technology? And uh, there, there's just so many things out there. You know, we, we uh, continue to, to look at that and there are different programs and, and also try to be, try to be part of uh, a, a bigger uh, Roanoke Valley. Also, when we look at that, because we, we partner now with, um, within Carillion, we're, we, we do a thing now that's with uh, looking at falls, you know, cause that's a, that's a big, uh, mm -hmm. big thing. So we have a researcher in the, in the, in a position that's, that's heading that up. So whenever we're, we're able to sort of be, a center for excellence and, and help uh, help develop things. But I think that technology is the biggest thing that's coming our way. And I think uh, we're, we're, we're embracing it and we're just looking for ways to, uh, to, to utilize it. Can you give us a sense of, you know, like where is technology today in terms of senior living and what types of technology are you talking about moving forward? Yeah, I think a lot of it right now is with uh, patient monitoring. There's a lot of different monitoring that goes on, uh, and and sometimes remotely. So you can have uh, we're we're not doing a lot of remote, but that could be something that's uh, in our home care model. That uh, maybe the first uh, sense is that uh, you know maybe maybe they don't want a resident uh, actually somebody an employee staying with them or a team member that's actually at their house, but they they want to do uh, some remote monitoring. So if something happens that, uh, you know, we can quickly uh, monitor that and have, uh, have, you know, w whatever it may entail, someone come out or, or that. But I think uh, a lot of it is going to be around the, the monitoring aspect and uh, how, how we can, uh, so how we can leverage that, uh, that part of it. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, as we close here, um, you know, I imagine that you're, as you're, you know, get, receiving inquiries from residents or potential residents about friendship, it's probably a kind of a scary time of life as well. They've been independent living in their own homes, you know, for decades, and now they're considering this giving up. I imagine you know some of their freedom, independence, and and whatnot. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what's your what what kind of conversations do you have with people who are you know, considering a move into a senior living community. Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the uh, nail on the head there that, uh, you know, the biggest, uh, biggest part of that is that, that independence and, um, you know, maybe coming here and feeling like, uh, you know, I, I've, I've lived in a house my whole life and uh, now I'm going to uh, come here to a smaller downsizing. So I think, 
you know, a lot of the people have those reservations, but then once they move here, it's quickly alleviated. They've, uh, they've, they've, they've realized, man, what, what took me so long to, uh, to do this? You know, a lot of people, you know, having a, a home as a, as an anchor to them. So they feel like, you know, if they got to go away, they've got to go somebody take care of their house and, and do things. So when they move here, all of a sudden that anchor is removed. They are able to, if they want to go to uh, Florida for a month, they just let us know and shut the door when they walk out. So, uh, so I think hmm. it, it frees up people more than they, they realize, man, that the house was really, uh, it's really hold me down. You know, when I was able to go visit my, my, uh, my daughter and, you know, uh, wherever it is, you know, they can, they can do that now. They don't have to, uh, you know, uh, try to have to take care of this and take care of the yard and take care of all these other things. They just, uh, let us know and, and, and they're off to go. So, so rather so than, rather than losing independence, they're really gaining even more independence is kind exactly. Of yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for being a friend to so many people in the Roanoke Valley through friendship and all the facilities that you offer and programs. And for more information, go to friendship.us. I certainly want to thank you for your friendship of buzz for good. Uh, as we you know move forward to this partnership and look forward to featuring friendship on a regular basis here on Buzz for Good and all the great work and programs and residents that you have. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. It's been uh, it's been good. It's been uh, it's a great, exciting time. It's uh, it's never been a, a, a better time to to live and work at uh, Friendship and uh, now now Richfield coming together. So I appreciate your time. Once again, many thanks to Friendship for its support of Buzz for Good. If your company would like to provide some buzz for Buzz for Good, please visit our website, buzzforgood.com. That's buzz, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com, and check out support. Now, on last week's show, I introduced listeners to The Hokie Way, which connects Virginia Tech student-athletes with local nonprofits such as Feeding Southwest Virginia, Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia, Eastmont Community Foundation, and Life Ring Foundation. Hokie athletes are able to profit from their NIL, name, image, and likeness, as are the nonprofits they are helping. So with Virginia Tech football kicking off in two weeks, I want to share again my conversation with head football coach Brent Pry, plus defensive lineman Fidarius Payne and wide receiver Jalen Lane. I'm Brent Pry. I'm the head football coach at Virginia Tech, and I'm very proud of Triumph and the Hokie Way, what they're doing in this community and what they're doing for our student athletes. Name, image, and likeness is as important as anything we do as important as facilities, as budgets, as staff hires. It's right there at the top of the list. It's on the forefront of every recruit, family, uh, and our players currently on our roster. Uh, everybody wants uh, a platform where they can enhance their brand, profit off their name, image, and likeness, and uh, find ways to build relationships, give back to businesses, charities, in our community. If, a, if someone will come to you and say, give me one story of a player who has benefited the most from NIL, who would you tell them about? Yeah, we've got a couple of guys on our team right now 
that uh, aren't on athletic scholarship. So these guys have a chance because of the type of people they are, the character, their personal brand, businesses and our collective triumph hokey way want to align with these guys. And so they have a chance to put some extra money in their bank account uh, through working with Hokie Way or Triumph. For a bunch of these guys, that extra money in their pocket can go a long way. You'll be surprised how many guys at this level are sending money back home to a mom, to a grandma, to a sibling. And especially when you're paying your own way to school, it can be very challenging. You know, so we at Virginia Tech, I want these guys to make as much money as they can off their name, image, and likeness. I want their brand to be unbelievable, where our local community, businesses, charities, want these guys endorsing what they're doing. I want that relationship. I don't want it to get in the way of anything we're doing out at Lane Stadium, in this practice complex, in that weight room, in those meeting rooms. Name, image, and likeness needs to be separate, but it's as important as anything we're doing. It's very important across college football, college athletic landscape right now. You know, being from Alabama, I don't think most fans care about what the NIL money is being used for as long as they have the best team on the field. Um, but here, there seems to be a, that culture of Boutrosim, that Boutrosim that really is impactful in some, in some way. How is yeah. it, in your mind, aligning those two? I think, um, Students in general come to Virginia Tech and a large percentage of them understand at Prosum and how important it is and, and what a piece of, of fabric it is for this university. I mean, it's, it's part of who we are. And we talk a lot about it in the recruiting process. We're coming here and being selfless, being community-minded, giving back. Uh, there's all kinds of avenues at Virginia Tech to do that. And through the Hokie Way, an opportunity to make a profit off your name, image, and likeness, but also give back to our community. I, I don't know that it gets better than that. I talk a lot about this being a two-way street. You know, gosh, we want our fan base to be out there supporting us. We want them to support our players, to support us on Saturdays. Uh, we want our fan base and our donor base to support our budgets and, and support name, image, and likeness. And you know, we want to and need to give back. And what a better way than you know to, to give back through the, through Hokie Way to our charitable organizations in our Southwest community. Yeah, not only does Triumph in the Hokie Way help the community, um, the relationships that our guys, the relationships that materialize, the relationships that develop through these interactions, through these contracts, through the, the relationships that our players have an opportunity to develop and grow with local business leaders, local charitable organizations, um, you know, that's life after football. Uh, those experiences, uh, you can't put a price tag on them. So certainly there's some, there's some monetary gain now. There's a profit now for these guys that's important. 
but also the relationships within our community, uh, that's going to pay tenfold. Yeah, I think everybody should get behind the Hokie way. Um, if you're for the student-athlete and you're for charitable organizations, uh, there's not a better combination. Uh, you can support both. Uh, we need that as a football program. Uh, we need that in our community. So that's a win-win for everybody in my book. My name is Fidarius Payne, senior at Virginia Tech, and I play defensive line. Um, I grew up in the Tidewater area, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Van Suffolk, and I went to the Boys and Girls Club in downtown Suffolk. Um, I spent time at the Boys and Girls Club, I believe, from fifth grade to the beginning of ninth grade. And then, but my time there, we did a lot of field trips. And I remember we went to a lot of colleges because at that time, I wasn't even thinking about college because young, it's summertime, you're thinking, let's have fun, let's do them other field trips. But we went to a few schools and it opened my mind. I was thinking like, oh, this is like reachable. This is stuff that people can do from my area because where I'm from, it's, it's not a lot of people that go to college. So it's like, it's either military or you just go straight to work or um, where I'm from, it's the shipyard over there in Norfolk. So those wasn't a big option for us. So that opened up to a lot of, a lot of us. Um, and honestly, my cousins, my brothers, we spent a lot of summers there and it was just a big family feel and you get to meet different people. And actually when I was home this last break, we was talking about it cause it was like, oh, those were good times. It was a counselor named Dominique. It was an older gentleman. He used to play basketball with us and we will never forget moments like those. The NIL wasn't that important, but it did help a lot. But coming to Virginia Tech, Really, the community service part of the NIL, I really like that. Like, I get to go and help people from the community because growing up, I was always in the community service. My, my dad served 22 years in the military, so he always was big into giving back to the community. Yes, sir, no, sir. He's from Alabama. So all that community stuff is very important to us. My mom, she's from the 757 area. So anytime we could give back, we did, either if it was going to shelters or going to the camps and going to um, kitchens. It was always something we did around Thanksgiving, Christmas, year round actually. And with the church, I go to church at Mount Suffolk and that was a big thing that we did, community service. This is like the church changed lives. It was more than just, just church service. Like we'll go out and go help people. Uh, yes sir, yeah, the Hokie Way, I'm very thankful for them because I love community service. Like I pride myself on community service. This summer, around 4th of July, I went to the East Mount Community Foundation 5K, and that was wonderful. Like, I really enjoyed myself. So when they allowed me to come out to that race and interact with people, like, it was major to me personally because I get to go out there with the little kids, the adults. Like, we're more than just football players. Like, we're here for the community, and the community here for us, so I would love to give back to them. So the, the race was fun. And after even the adults, they was like, y'all can come to the fireworks because they do something big around there. And it's very like community led. Like I said, I always wanted to be in the community. So when they said we can go to the 4th of July events, they said they have food trucks, they have fireworks, they lined down the road down to the Dollar Tree, I believe. And it was just big. And you could tell they were very tight knit. And the kids were going around, it was racing. We was able to handle them the little medals first place. And you could just tell they really, they took it serious. It was like a big thing around there. They got times to beat. They got records, and it was 
it was an amazing thing to be a part of. And you're being a role model. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, being a role model just... I don't look at myself as a role model. I look at myself as a normal, just human being, able to be blessed with this opportunity to play football. And I know the people in this area really look up to me and these athletes, Virginia Tech athletes in general. So for us to show our face and Hokie Way to be able to help us is major. Hi, I'm uh, Jalen Lane. I play wide receiver here at Virginia Tech, just transferred in. I'll be a senior and I'm from Clover, South Carolina. You know, uh, this year was the first, uh, you know, big NIL opportunity that I got, you know, coming from uh, Middle Tennessee State. It's a smaller school. They don't have, honestly, they're getting a lot now, but, you know, at the beginning of it, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to get those NIL deals as you do at bigger schools. But, you know, coming here, you know, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a huge emphasis why I came because, you know, I love the culture here at Virginia Tech and stuff like that. But it's also, you know, helped me realize and open many doors that, were in there for me before, definitely. Oh yeah, you know, so far, um, you know, just getting to do stuff like this, being able to have an impact on kids, like at the Boys and Girls Club, and you know, I think I heard Sean talk about it too, but it's just, you know, having an impact on the younger generation, even if they, you might not be the guy they look up to, but it's just, you know, I was in those shoes once, I can give them any kind of advice that they ever need or want. And also just what the Hokie Way is doing in general, you know, it's a non-profit, and uh, they're doing a lot of things for Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, it's been great for me, you know, just coming in and watching what they're doing. And it's something that you definitely want to be a part of. The biggest thing I want to do, like, throughout my life is, you know, leave an impact. And, you know, what I've been taught growing up is, you know, your legacy is very important and how you treat other people is very important. So, you know, like, partnering with the Hokie Way is a big reason why I'm out here uh, today, even just because I know that it's for a great cause. And I know like what I'm doing today could possibly impact someone. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. You know, um, it's funny when I was at MT, we played uh, at Lane in 21, and the atmosphere is crazy. Like I remember the opening kickoff, he had a good return, and the crowd was so loud, my ears started hurting a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, and I'll, I'll be glad that they're cheering for me this time instead of against me. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> And lastly, on today's Buzz for Good, we are getting ready to present our newest Buzz TV show on August 30th on Blue Ridge PBS, starring Camp Altamonds in Eastern Montgomery County. We will have a free sneak peek watch party this Wednesday, August 23rd at 6 p.m. at First United Methodist Church in Salem. More information and to register at our website, buzzforgood.com, B-U-Z-Z number four, good.com. Here is a sneak listen from part of our show. Altamonds in Eastern Montgomery County, Virginia, is best known for its four weeks of summer camp, where kids can disconnect from their technological lives and engage with nature's beauty. But for this gorgeous 850-acre attraction nestled in Virginia's Blue Ridge, what about the other 48 weeks of the year? For today's episode, we're going to turn this best-kept secret into a must-visit destination with the help of another outdoors organization that's been featured on our show and a team of tourism professionals whose marketing expertise is just what this nonprofit needs to give it some year-round buzz. For more than 100 years, this ground in Shawlsville, Virginia has been a place apart, 
a balm from the bustle and brokenness of everyday human life. Loosely translated high mountains in Latin, Altamines was purchased in the 1890s by the Crockett family, which bottled its healing spring waters for markets throughout the United States and Europe. A 300-guest hotel was later built, Crockett Springs Resort, for the well-heeled to escape disease-ridden cities sweltering in the summer. But the resort hit hard times during the Depression, and the hotel fell into disrepair. In 1957, the Roanoke District of the Methodist Church bought the property, and over the decades since has transformed it into a retreat center, with a variety of lodging and dining facilities, sites for RV and tent camping, a pool, a pond for fishing and canoeing, ropes courses, picnic shelters, and of course, miles of hiking trails, the most popular leading to scenic Stiles Falls. While its visitors say Altamont has always pulsed with divinity, its human heartbeat dwells within one family whose name permeates the place. Uh, my name is Jim Pierman, and I'm currently chair of the board of directors at Altamonts. Jim Pierman's grandfather owned part of the property that today makes up Altamonts. His father was born here in 1927. There's several uh, facilities in uh, in the camp that uh, are named in in memory of, of my my parents, including the Pyramid House, which stands on the location where uh, the original house was that my father, where my father was born. It was burned down, but it uh, was on that same location and the same uh, beauty around it. So that's uh, special. The ropes course uh, was uh, pretty much, you know, funded by by my mother, and uh, she's been very generous in uh, supporting the intern program that we uh, initiated several years ago. And uh, so there's a lot of lot of them around when I come up here to to feel their presence. The quilt that's behind me, my mother was a uh, avid quilter, hand-stitched. She never used a machine on any of her quilts. And she quilted this, uh, the quilt behind me, uh, and, and presented it to Altamans. And it's hanging here, so it's a memory every time I come into the, to the dining hall. She loved Altamans, and, and uh, she thought that was a, a special thing, to, so she would always be here. My name is Hannah Curtis, and I am currently a board member at Altamont. Previously, I've been a business intern at camp for two summers as well. I'm Rhonda Wimmer. I'm the executive director here at Camp Altamont. I started off as a volunteer in 2010, then um, I was guest service coordinator and now the executive director. So fortunately, I had uh, an opportunity to connect with Rhonda at a job fair. I was a student at Roanoke College. I'm not local to the area, so I had never really ventured beyond Salem and the Roanoke you know, uh, city proper area. So I met Rhonda and learned about all the job opportunities they had for college-age kids coming to town, both with camp and on the business side of the house as well, and uh, went from there. And that will do it for today's Buzz for Good. Thank you so much for tuning in and for caring about the work that nonprofit organizations do in our community. 
And until we see you again next time on Buzz for Good, please continue being a Buzz for Good in the places you hold dear. Bye now.